All right, guys, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's like a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. We're so thankful that you guys have found the podcast. You can find it on YouTube. Listen to the video portion there. But then you can also listen anywhere that you can get your podcast. And we're so thankful that you guys are here and that you have found us and you're here to study with us. Okay, so <laughs> originally I was supposed to do something else. Um, but I'm not ready for that one yet, so I'm going to keep studying. But I switched it up like at 5 in the morning, okay? So I was studying, and I was looking at a text in Genesis 29, and the more I kept reading it, and the more I kept reading it, I was like, oh, man, we got we to gotta do it. We got to do it, right? So in Genesis 29, again, that's the account of Jacob and Rachel, which is such a beautiful account. And this is what we're going to do today. We're going to entitle this one. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on you. So everybody loves, you know, a, a good love story. Everybody does. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't keep watching these Disney movies. If we didn't, Hallmark wouldn't be in business still. Right? So this is good stuff. And so, again, when we talk about this, everybody wants to see people triumph over stuff and come out better or come out together in the end. Everybody wants to see that. And so I remember, <laughs> I'm kind of telling on myself here, but I remember when I was in, in middle school, I think it was eighth grade, I came back from basketball practice. And I'm, uh, I'm coming home, and I think mom is watching a Hallmark movie. And I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of waiting to get the TV so I can watch ESPN, you know, watch the highlights. But instead, the movie was almost over. It had like 30 minutes or whatever. So mom's like, I'm almost done. This is almost over. I said, okay. So I sat there and I watched it and I, I got just enough in that 30 minutes to understand what was happening and then understand the end. So then after the movie was over, mom was like, okay, now you can have the TV. And I'm just sitting there. I was like, it's pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> you know, so that was the moment it started. I was like, okay, those really aren't that bad. Like it's, it's not that bad. Right. So everybody loves that. Everybody loves that type of story, a triumph story. So Jacob and Rachel, it was that type of story. It was kind of a triumph story in a sense. But what we're going to do, we're going to look at how Jacob never gave up on Rachel. But then also there's a person in here that we always overlook and Jacob overlooked her. And so we're also going to look at how even though Leah was overlooked, that God still loved her. And God saw some things. So there's two different types of things in this in this account that we miss. But as we study this, we're going to see that Jacob's love for Rachel was unmatched. But we're also going to see how God's love for Leah, even though she was unwanted, his love for Leah was unmatched too. So there's a lot of good stuff that we can learn here in Genesis 29. So I am not going to give up on you. Maybe this can help you, right? Maybe this can help you to mature in your in your relationships. Maybe this can help you mature as an individual. Maybe this can help you mature as you're getting into a relationship or trying to work towards one with someone. Maybe this can help you to have the right tools in order to have a a a, a great type of love and a great type of union that the Bible gives example after example of, okay? So that's what we're going to do. So I'm not giving up on you. So let's look at Genesis 29, okay? Genesis chapter 29, and 
we're going to start in verse 17 and 18. And the first thing we're going to look at is Jacob showed his undying love to Rachel by waiting. Well, what are you what are you talking about? Jacob waited. Well, let's read the text. So now let's look at the physical descriptions here. Verse 17. Leah, the text says, was tender eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and she was well favored. But now as we keep reading, Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So as we notice, Jacob was physically attracted to Rachel because the text says that he loved her. And the text gives us, see, we don't know that much about Leah. We don't know much other than she was tender eyed. But all we but we do know a better description of Rachel. She was well favored and it says she was beautiful. So Jacob from the beginning, he was infatuated with her because the text said that he loved her. But now, so how is Jacob showing his love to Rachel by waiting? So think about this. In most situations today, even in a Christian situation, if you have two people that come together just based off of the physical, okay, literally just based off of the physical, how many times does that work today? I mean, people get, and this is why we have so many, I heard a preacher one time, <laughs> he said, we, you know, we're with other people and we trade them off like socks, you know? So, I mean, you're infatuated with this person for six months. Then you go over here, you're infatuated with this person for four months. You're infatuated with this person. So basically what we do, it's infatuation. It's so self-centered that we jump from person to person to person so that we can feel good or so that we can get what we want in the moment. So here's something that we got to understand. We have to understand the difference between infatuation and love. Two different things. Two different things. Sometimes people think love is infatuation, which is not true. But some people think infatuation is love. That's not true either. They're two separate things. So what's the difference? Dude, guys, this is a great definition here from uh, from Bible.org to give them credit here. They described infatuation this way, and it's a beautiful definition. Infatuation is usually in a hurry and is usually self-centered. Infatuation says, I feel good when I am with you. So I want to hurry and get you to the altar Watch this before I lose you and before I lose these good feelings. So how many people, especially even in scripture, have gotten together based off of infatuation? First example I think of is David and Bathsheba. They got together off of infatuation with each other. See, so many people think, see, David was in the wrong there, right, for bringing in Bathsheba. But notice Bathsheba was a married woman. So she was infatuated with David. So they were both wrong. But when you talk about infatuation, what this is for us, and this is why it's kind of dangerous, and this is why you have to be mature as you get together with people, infatuation is literally just a heightened feeling of feeling good. So, I mean, it's literally you feel kind of, overboard when you're with this person now does that mean that you can't feel no absolutely you're supposed to feel but if you base everything on feeling you let your feelings guide you 
And so you got to be careful. Feelings are a part of it. So you're not a robot. We're not telling you to throw your feelings away, but don't be guided in everything by how you feel. And this is why infatuation is not good in relationships because it always works in the beginning. Infatuation works 100%. It's undefeated in the beginning. But what happens is when little nitpicky things happen that you don't like what they do, when they don't do something for you, when they say, no, they can't do this, when things happen, then that infatuation goes away because that tells you you were self-centered. So this is why we can't be infatuated in the long term because we got to be mature and learn to work through problems. And that's where mature love comes in. Now, what is the definition of love? Obviously, we've got 1 Corinthians 13, right? So love suffers long. It envies not. It doesn't puff itself up, right? It 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 uh, it bears all things. It hopes all things. It believes all things, right? So does that sound like infatuation? 1 Corinthians 13 sounds mature. And that's what love is. It's mature with people. So here's another definition. Again, this is from Bible.org. Love is this. Your happiness is what I want most of all. And watch this. I am willing to wait, if need be, to make sure that this is what's absolutely best for you. And if it be real, it will stand the test of time. That's a great definition of, of love, too. Isn't there like a Disney a Disney uh, movie that says stand the test of time? I think that's Beauty and the Beast. Na, 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 na. Beauty and the Beast. Great song. Great movie. Right. Okay. Let's get back. Let's get back. Let's get back. Okay. So again, so we understand this, right? We understand what's going on. But if need be, again, love says, I'm trying to do what's absolutely best for you. And if you really look at the context in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 12, everybody wanted the same gift. But Paul was saying, I'm going to show y'all a better way to do this. You help one another. This is how you really do it. You do it by love. And so as we talk about this, notice what Jacob did. Now, Jacob, again, just like any young boy would have or any man would have, when he sees a beautiful woman that he wants to be with, he obviously has that physical infatuation. But notice, he loved her. There's the infatuation. But he said, I will serve. Oh, that sounds mature, doesn't it? I will serve these seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. Now watch verse 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. But those seven years, they seemed to him but a few days for the love that he had for her. So Jacob showed his love to Rachel by waiting. Now, I want to give a side side note here. I understand the concept of people. I don't want to say pressuring. I don't want to say pushing either. But but people constantly bringing up the idea of, well, you just need to get married early. You need to get married early. I understand the concept, and I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong. But again, whether you get married early or whether you get married late, maturity is needed. See, again, we always bring up that, that verse in Proverbs, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Notice the text says a man who finds a wife. The text doesn't say a man that finds a girl. 
or a man who finds a woman. The text says a man who finds a wife. And so then we can't just use that verse, but then not go to Proverbs 31 that says she's rare. So we can't just tell people just to get married early. This girl is rare. So then at the end, so look at this. So then we have the first example of the first marriage. So when it describes Adam, how does God describe Adam? Adam was a man. Adam, the Bible didn't say Adam was a boy. Doesn't say he was a young adult. The Bible says Adam was a man. So Adam was physically complete and he was complete because he had a relationship with God. That man is a candidate for marriage. And Eve, when she came into the picture, she came out of man. But notice, what did Adam call her? He didn't say this is young woman. He didn't say this is young girl. He said this is woman. She was mature. She was complete. She had a relationship with God. You have two complete adults. So again, I'm not trying to knock either side, but I'm just trying to say maturity is needed either way. So for people that just kind of advocate, well, you just need to get married early and look down on others that aren't married while they're older. Well, you got to be careful too. And those people mostly that say that are already married. So they've got what they want already. So you got to look at things from a different point of view. All right. So let, let's keep going Two, So Jacob showed his love to Rachel by waiting. Number two, as we keep moving forward, I'm not going to give up on you. Jacob waited. He didn't just focus on an infatuation with her. He waited for her. Then number two, Jacob's love, it grew through stress and it didn't diminish. Now, sometimes in life and in relationships, things aren't going to work and that's okay, right? That's okay. But sometimes what we do is because at the beginning, it was just straight up infatuation. Sometimes we quit because of nitpicky things that we don't like, that we just can't have communicated to that person that we don't like. So I think a lot of people are at this point in their lives. And I saw this on Facebook today and I'll give her credit. It was, uh, it was, uh, Melissa Johnson. Uh, uh, you know, she was a member here at the congregation, you know, great family here. But notice she said this, and this is great, and this is uh, great of her heart to say this. She said, um, I don't have a hard time helping other people. Now, stop right there. I don't think a lot of people have a hard time, right? So and I think this really applies to a lot of our young ladies. I think a lot of y'all really don't have a hard time helping other people. I think a lot of y'all, I think you would literally drop everything that you're doing to help somebody else. I think that's where a lot of our young ladies are. But then watch this. She said, I don't have a hard time helping other people. But she said, I do have a hard time letting other people help me. Then watch what she says. Then I shut them out. How many young ladies today are like that? How many young men are like that today? You'll drop everything and you'll help everybody and their mom. But then when someone tries to help you, the first thing that they do something wrong or they do something you don't like, then you shut them out. You, you're not willing to see the thing about help is not only do you have to give it, but you have to be able to receive it, too. So it's really not fair if you can give 100 percent to other people. But when someone tries to help you, you shut them out. That's not really fair. And you're not really helping yourself. 
So I think that's where a lot of people are. So what love does, love grows through these stresses. So instead of shutting other people out or shutting your partner out or shutting who you're talking to out, you work with them. So look at this. Look at Genesis 29 again and jump down to verse uh, 25. So when it came to pass, behold, when he thought he was going to get Rachel, the text says it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you've done? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then, why have you beguiled me or why have you tricked me? Laban said it, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for service, which thou shalt serve me seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went into Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served him yet seven other years. So notice love continues to grow through stress. Now, here's a lot of things that Jacob could have done in this situation. So as you read, and as I was studying this more, I used to think Jacob served uh, Laban seven years. He got tricked. Then he had to serve seven more years. Then he could get Rachel. That's not what happened. Notice the text, verse 27, fulfill her week. So the bridal week. So spend that week with Leah. Then I'll give thee this. Also for the service, which thou shalt serve me yet another seven years. And Jacob did so, verse 28, and notice he fulfilled his week with Leah. Then he gave him Rachel. So think about what, what Jacob had to do here. So Jacob could have quit here. So notice Jacob could have said, well, why do I, why should I marry you as if you're a part of a family like this? I'm out. I still might like you, but why should I marry you? If your father did this just to trick me, maybe you're like this. Maybe Leah's like this. Jacob could have literally imploded this entire thing easily. But notice, as he's doing this, not only did he fulfill his week with, uh, with Leah, he received Rachel, and after he got the girl that he wanted, he still continued to work for seven years. So notice what love does. This is a this is a this is a a tangled situation here. Love grows through stresses with people. So a lot of times, and again, you have to show some wisdom, and you have to pray because there's some situations that aren't for you. Okay, so you have to sit there and you have to pray to God for wisdom and strength. And you have to understand what's going on and you got to understand what you're what you're going to take on. And that's that's a tough thing to do sometimes. But as we talk about this, love tries its absolute best until it gets to that point. Love tries its best to keep growing through stress. See, it's sometimes it's very easy to, you know, when things happen like this to make excuses and then go off. Jacob could have just went off here, but he didn't. He continued to not only serve Laban, but he also continued to, to do his duties to Leah and to Rachel. So love continues to grow through stresses. And that's the beautiful thing about, about what love does in 1 Corinthians 13. 
Love is something that is taught. So you literally have to learn to grow with people. But here's here's the problem why we can't do that. We can't learn to grow with people because we base love off of what we've seen. And what do you what do I mean by that? So if you're in a household where where you are you see how your mother loves your father, you base how you see love based off of what you've seen. So now think about this. Think about if you've if you've seen divorce. And that can be nasty in a lot of ways. But by seeing that, that's how you base love. Okay, if some person does one thing wrong or two things wrong, he's just like him. He's going to be just like that. See, we can't define love by what we've seen. Because if you define love by what you've seen, you're always going to be in a state of infatuation with people. And you'll never have true mature love. And the and the the situation that you're going to try to run out of, you're going to meet a person. And most times, just based off what I've seen, and even in scripture, most times you're going to repeat the situation you tried to run away from. And now think about your kids. Then your kids are going to grow up. Then he's going to see their grandparents. Then your kids are going to see your relationship. That's the same as your grandparents. Then what are they going to think? Well, love is this. Love is that. You see how we can't let people... And we can't let earthly relationships define what love is. We have to let God define it. Because so many young people, young women, young men, because of what they've seen in their home, they're bitter. And and again, like that post said on Facebook, they shut people out. Because they don't want to see what happened to their parents happen to them, which is understandable. But at the same time, you have to let God define love. Because you'll walk around always infatuated, but you'll also walk around just bitter. And so you gotta, we have to be careful about that. Love continues to grow through stresses and love doesn't diminish. Then number three, as we keep walking through, I'm not going to give up on you. Now, this is Jacob and Rachel here. So the first two points are about Jacob and Rachel, but so many times we really, really forget about Leah. So when you think about this, so it ends in verse 30, and he went in unto Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served those seven other years. So kind of when we think about this, we think, okay, well, this is the happy ever ending, or this is the happily ever after. (laughs) It's the happily ever after, right? This is perfect. Jacob got what he wanted finally. He worked hard. He did all this, so he got the girl. That's great, but there's always another side of the coin. So, yeah, Jacob and and Rachel were together, but now what about Leah? So here's the third point. So when we're rejected, God still loves you, and God's love still sees you. So imagine we never put ourselves in in the shoes of Leah. Leah from the jump, according to verse 17, all we know about her, she was tender eye. But Leah from the jump wasn't even wanted from the jump. But she ends up being a part of this trick and gets with Jacob. And then now she has to sit here in this marriage 
and her sister is loved more than her. So she had to have felt as an outcast. So God saw that Leah needed some help. So look at verse 31. So remember, what's our point? I'm not going to give up on you. The first two was Jacob and and Leah or Jacob and Rachel's relationship. The third point is between God and Leah. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb because Rachel was barren. So notice that word hated there in the text means unloved. So notice two things that God did. God saw. He saw it. So sometimes in your relationships with people, you're going to try your best. You're going to try your absolute best of what you know how. But things just might not work in your favor. We've all been there. I've been there. You've been there. (laughs) Maybe you're there now. And when I mean by try, I don't mean you try for six months or eight months or 10 months or a year and then you quit because of nitpicky things that could have been communicated well. I don't mean, I don't mean, you know, try as in, well, I, I gave him four months. I mean, you really, really try. You communicated. I mean, you were doing everything you were expressing. You did things maturely. That's what I mean by trying. Sometimes even as hard as you try, it's just not going to work. And, and that's okay. And sometimes in the situation, sometimes you're the Leah. And sometimes as you're the Leah in your situations, you're going to look around and you're going to see the Jacobs and you're going to see the Rachels in your lives. And the Jacobs and the Rachels are so happy. But what about you? What about Leah? Notice the beautiful thing. It's just two words, guys. Just two words. God saw as as amazing and powerful as God is for him to say that he sees you and he sees and notice what did God see God saw that Leah was unloved wow that's incredible that should give you so much encouragement sometimes when things don't work out and again that's okay But when things don't work out, guess who sees? God saw it. He saw it. He sees you guys. And sometimes, guys, you can't. And I know it's tough in the moment. And sometimes you got to be careful because you don't want to. You don't want to develop a heart of bitterness. But you have to understand that God sees what's going on. And this gives you another opportunity to grow and get better. But this also doesn't excuse you from still serving that person too. So, I mean, it's very hard in the moment. I know it's difficult. It is. But you have to be careful because remember, if you want God to help, you still have to have the right type of heart. You still have to be poor in spirit. You still have to be humble. You still have to check your ego. You still have to do these. And those are very, you're not going to match that in a day. That's hard. But notice, when you go through these situations, guys, God sees. He saw it, guys. He saw Leah. And he he allowed Leah to conceive. And so here's here's something that um, 
that I wanted to bring up here, especially especially when we talk about um, God seeing. You know, sometimes in a situation like that, you know, you're the Leah. So what do I do now? Right. What do I do now? You know, this person has their Jacob. This person has their Rachel. So what do I do? Here's the, here's the thing that we do uh, most times. And we got to we got to get away from this. Um, a lot of times we look for the wrong things. What do I mean by that? As a young person as a college person, as a, even a, 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 an adult, it's great to have a youth group. It's great to have a college group. It's wonderful. And, and so many people will spend all of their time church hopping congregations to find youth groups and they'll church hop to find college groups, but they'll also church hop to go away from the thing that didn't work out. So here's what well, here's the here's the danger. The great thing is it's great to have those groups. But don't be dependent on those groups. You got to learn when you're put in the situation of Leah, you got to learn to grow on your own. And you got to get better and you got to want some initiative to get better. I've literally seen people in youth groups and I've literally seen college groups. I mean, I'm talking about this was the literal conversation. Hey, we're having a Bible study on Thursday. So, you know, we'll, we'll go here. We'll go to this house. We'll go to the building. We'll have a Bible study on Thursday. And maybe this, this study can encourage you. And I've literally seen youth members and college members say, so-and-so and so-and-so is not going to be there. I'm not coming. What? So-and-so is not going to, the group, the group is not coming. So I'm not going to go. I'm going to wait for an opportunity when the group can come. See, here's the danger about being in groups. What if it's a group of four of, of eight people? No, what if it's a group of nine and you got, you got, you got, uh, you got five girls and you got four guys. Okay. But then you have four girls and four guys. They start being in a couple together. So now you got these couples and then you got one left over. So then guess what that one does? Because they look around and they see that everybody's got what they want. Then they'll church hop and they'll go to another group and they'll get be a part of another group. You see why you see the, the danger of group hopping? This is why you have to grow on your own. That's why Peter says study on your own. No matter what situation you're in, whether you've got someone, whether you don't, you grow on your own. And And this is something that stunts people, guys. And I, and I care about you guys enough to not want you to be stunted because you're following after a group or you're looking for a group or you're searching for a group. Well, Jordan, what about encouragement? They're supposed to encourage me. They're supposed to be here. How come no one's there for me? That's a sorry attitude. And why do you think when so many of our college people leave, they don't know anything about the Bible because they're so focused on group hopping? You see why it's so important? to have your own personal study. So no matter what situation that you find yourself in, guys, you have to learn to show some personal initiative. And maybe God is holding that blessing that he has for you because you have none. Because remember, what is a relationship and what is marriage? It is a serving attitude for two complete people 
to help to literally, literally, guys, the point of marriage from Genesis is to help each other grow closer to God. That's literally the point of marriage. The point of marriage is not to have kids. The point of marriage is not to have a house. The point of marriage is not to get more money. The point of marriage is literally to grab hold on another person that loves God like you do and help them so they can meet God. And how are you going to do that if you're constantly worried about what other people are doing? You see how twisted we can get? This is why we have to be very careful. And this is why so many of us have a bitter heart and a bad attitude. Because, well, no one's doing this for me. No one's doing that for me. No one's, well, maybe what are you doing for yourself? You see, here's, remember the the whole topic, I'm not going to give up on you. Jacob didn't give up on Rachel. God didn't give up on Leah. But here's my question. Why have you given up on yourself? So why in the world are we waiting for other people to give two cents about us when we don't give two cents about us. That's not fair. And so then we'll 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 say stuff like, well, and see, I don't like personally, and maybe this is something I gotta work on. I don't like when people personally joke about um about what Paul said. Well, if you don't want to get married, you know, you should be like I am. You should be content. You should be married. God wants that union of marriage is beautiful. And a joke around, when people joke around like that, I know that they're bitter. They're just using humor to try to mask it. That's not, that's not mature, right? We got to grow up. We got to grow up. So stop giving up on yourself. Yeah, something might not have worked. And I'm sorry that it didn't. I really am. I truly am. But if it didn't, first of all, look at you to see what you could have done to help make that better. But then two, don't get bitter. Actually have some initiative to get better and grow on your own. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed up this period of growing on my own. It's been great. It's been, it's been absolutely great. And it's been a time and a period that I've absolutely needed. And now I feel like I'm in a position now where I can be 10 times, 10 times better for someone than I was years ago. But so I hope this was able to help you guys. I hope this was able to help you grow and get better and learn not to really give up on yourself. Learn to get better and we can do this together. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you all next week.